Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Hey, good morning, everybody. Great to see you, man. Hey, we got some incredible talent up here. Come on, these guys were awesome this morning. So, Some new faces, and uh, big thanks to those new faces joining our team, man. And uh, I'm just excited. So, hey... Um, we are in the third week of probably one of my favorite things to talk about, and that's leadership. And I, I love talking about leadership. I shared with you a couple weeks ago that my wife, she loves those romance novel junk crap things and uh, those weird books that whatever. I don't even know why. She likes them. She gets lost in them. You know, it's like Hallmark on pages. You could just watch the movie. All right. And, uh, and then I love for a good time reading leadership books because I'm just that weird. And so... Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've looked at uh, two different things. The first week, we looked at how to lose your job. And so if you want to go back to that, you can. But then last week, one of the things we looked at is celebrating wins, man. And, and I love celebrating what God is doing. Don't you celebrate what God is doing? Don't you love to do that? Come on, man. God is doing some cool stuff. You know, I, uh, I just want to talk just a minute about what Derek was saying. And Derek and I, we had, we had a blast this week, didn't we? It was a fun week, man. We got to hang out Thursday. And usually we're coming and going. We're like ships passing in the night. So for one day, we actually got to see each other and hang. And it, it was just a, just a blast. But one of the things that is so cool is not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, after Thanksgiving, after all your Black Friday fun, all the things you buy that your relatives will return, um, after that day, um, yeah, I'm kidding, my relatives are in the church right now. Um, and uh, I want to say this, is that Wednesday night, man, from 6.30 to 8, it's such an incredible evening out at the park. We have the, the high school choirs coming to sing that evening. They're doing carols, Christmas carols. They did it last year. It's just incredible. Um, the, you know, Santa's coming in on the fire truck all the way through town. The fire department will be there. Um, we have companies and businesses within the area that have donated drinks and, and snacks and things. And so it's just going to be a really, 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 really fun night where we just not, we don't come to do church. We get to do what? We get to go be the church. And so let's just go have fun and keep it real with our community. Isn't that awesome that we get to do this again? Come on, man. This is a big win. So I love that. I love that. So um, if you're awake this morning, say yeah. yeah. All right, you are. So you don't have to look at my shoes. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Um, by the way, I have to just fill somebody in because people keep asking me about my shoes and I've had like crazy colored shoes for like three years. And I just have to share with you this story. This has nothing to do with my message. This is even in my notes, but I just want to clear it up. All right. Um, because here's what happened. I came in here when we bought the building four years ago and I walked inside and I had dress shoes on because I was, you know, keeping it respectful. And, uh, I walked in and my, my socks were like wet Does anyone else just like so OCD on wet shoes? You know, like wet socks. I can't stand it, man. And so I went down to, uh, you know, shoe stores, which I hate, man. If if you would have known my mom, my mom passed this year, but if you would have known her, she would have said the one thing that she hated about me was taking me shoe shopping as a teenager. Any moms out there relate? Probably. And uh, I, I hated it. And so I'm looking for shoes and I'm looking at all these dress shoes and they make me look like I'm 40 and I still got two years. They're making me look bad. And I'm going, what do I do? And I come across this like orange Nike. I look at this beautiful orange Nike. There's only one of them. Just get it. This is how I don't shoe shop a lot, all right? And so I take the shoe, I, I hate clothes shopping. And I take it and I go up to the register and I ask the lady, I said, um, I would love this. I said, are these waterproof? She's like, yeah. I said, my feet aren't going to get wet in these. I said, yeah. I said, my church is going to have to get used to me wearing test shoes then because I don't want my feet to get wet. And so I, I go, but I said, the only problem is there's only one of these shoes on the rack. And she's looking at me like I'm an idiot. And I'm going, 
what's up? There's, you only got one. I said, all your shoes. You don't have any matching pairs in this whole place. And she's just staring at me like I'm stupid, you know? And, and I'm like, what up? And she's like, well, we don't do that. We have the matching pair in the back. I'm like, yes. So I started there and, you know, the last a year or two. And, and I just, so I just wanted you to know, there you go. That's for your F, FYI this morning. So that has nothing to do with the message. That's not even spiritual or anything. Hey, let's pray. And uh, I have something I believe that God really wants to speak to you today that I'm, re- I'm just really excited about, man. We got Thanksgiving this week. Anyone thankful for what you have in your life right now? I am. I am. So God, I'm thankful for what I have, Lord. God, I can look, I can get bitter, I can get better, I can look at it your way, I can look at it my way, I can give up or I can have hope just like in this video that I looked at. I pray that all of us would continue to have hope, we'd continue to press on, we'd continue to fight the good fight. We won't give up, we'd look at the people next to us, in front of us, besides us, those that have gone before us, Lord. We would know, Lord, just as we sang, your cross is before us and ahead of us and we would follow you as we give you our lives. Lord, lead us this morning, Lord, as we're talking about intentional leadership. I pray that this morning at least one person, Lord, would be changed and transformed because what you want to do in their life this morning, even if it's me, God, I want you to speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Would you speak up the things of your spirit and would you shut up the things of my flesh this morning so that we could receive what it is that you have for us today. We pray in the name of Jesus and everybody said amen. Amen. All right, so here's what I want to do. I was looking at leadership and I thought if I had one Sunday one Sunday, to share with you leadership principles, like if I had 30 minutes, you know, about 25 here, to just share with you leadership principles, one day, this was it. Like, I was, I was just praying, and I'm like, what are the things that I would want to share? What are the things that I would want to hear? What, what are those things? And so I have three of them this morning, three that I believe firmly would help you in your career, would help you in your school, would help you in your family, would help you in your marriage. If you're a student, it would help you. It would help you in your neighborhood. It would help you in church, all of these. And I just, I have three that I really want to focus in on this morning. All right, so here we go. Uh, Number one is this, three nuggets of intentional leadership. Number one, say it with me, build people. I like to say it like this. I'm not here to build my church. I'm here to build people. You're not here to build your resume. You're here to build people. You're not here to to build your organization because that's a part of people. We're here to build people. We want to train people. We want to invest in people. We want to love on people. We want to motivate people. We want to inspire people. We want to pour in to people because it's not about us. It's about others. And so we don't, okay, like I know we're supposed to be like Jesus, right? You know that in the Bible, right? We're supposed to be like Christ, right? Okay, that's like common sense. Yeah, we're supposed to be like Jesus. How you doing? I got a long way to go, okay? I got a long way to go. You know, and I I read Jesus' leadership style. I'm like, I want to be like a Jesus. You know, I want to be just like Jesus where I just go up to fishermen and fisherwomen today and I go, hey, drop your nets, come follow me. That's how we got Derek to come serve as our pastor. I just said, Derek, come. And he dropped out of college, you know, know, forget your wife and just came. No, it doesn't work. I'm not Jesus. No, we have to intentionally build people. Anybody, man, just people do that for you? They just drop everything like, sure, just at a whim. No one has that Jesus gift. So this is for you and for me this morning. Ephesians chapter 429, I love this. Paul writes, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that they may benefit those who listen. Nothing unwholesome out of our talk. That's sarcasm. None of us in here are sarcastic, are we ever? That was sarcastic. Um, Don't know if you got that. But there's this difference that we have when we are speaking into people, when we're building people up. You know, and, and I love ministry. I'm that kind of person that I'm like, 
let's look at the vision, where we're going. You figure out how to get there. Well, I'll get there, but we got to you know, figure out, and I shared this twice with people this week, as a pastor, as a leader, if you're a leader over something, it's your job to cast vision. It's your job to look at the mountain range and to say, man, that mountain range is beautiful. Any of those mountains are great to go and conquer. But we have to go as a church. What I do is I go, that's the one we're going after right there, that mountain. Because I don't care how you get there. I don't how you, I care how you climb it. I don't care who you bring with, bring some people with, but let's climb it together. Because otherwise, if there's more than one vision, there's division, and we start going towards these different mountains. And so we have to go towards the one mountain. The way to do that along the way is you have to, just what God does with us, love people where they're at, and then love people along the way. Because as a leader, what we're doing and what you're doing, if you're a Christian, you're a leader, you are bringing people to a place they've never been before. You've got to offer grace and empathy, don't you? How many wish you had more grace and empathy given to you at your workplace? Why can't we do that? We need to do that. We need to be that intentional leader. And so if you're at a workplace, if you're, if you're at a job, just, just curiosity right now, don't care what your age is, um, how many of you are either a student, you have a job, or you are retired? If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? Okay, so this is for everybody here this morning, okay? I think there's some babies in the nursery that maybe are missing out, but that's about it right now, okay? We can share stories with them. So here's what happens at your workplace, in your environment. Don't just think of the church right now. Think of your context, not my context. And what happens is there's this thing when we build people, because we need people to get done what we want to do. I can't do the church by myself. We're continuing to look for a worship leader. We're getting closer. We're, we're looking for that, you know? We need other people, other people's gift sets. And so you have this thing called delegation that takes place. Every good leader knows how to delegate well. Delegation has to happen. But then so does something else that's even greater than delegation, and that's empowering someone. Okay? Delegation, it says, I'm sending you as my representative. Okay? And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But then comes ownership. You go from a renter to an owner at your business, at your school, in your neighborhood, with your family, in your marriage, in your church. And empowerment, it says not only... Are you a representative? No, no, no. You're not a representative any longer. You're actually an owner. I'm giving you ownership. Own it. Lead. Go for it. I want to talk about a guy in the Bible that I love. One of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. And and I shared this a long time ago, about five years ago in the church. And it bodes well to share this today. And that's King David. He built people around him. He built this army around him. You know, King Saul was jealous of King David. King David became the king over Israel, and Saul was the former king. God took him out of that place and brought King David in. King David aspired to be, in my book, the greatest king that ever ruled Israel in all time. Was David perfect? Any of you sent anybody out to the field to get murdered before, or stare at a woman taking a bath naked on the other side of the city? That's King David! Yeah, oh wow, he's a man after God's own heart? Yeah, it says it after all of that, because there's grace from a loving God. So David builds, it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, he builds these 30 mighty warriors, and then he has these three incredible warriors. We're not going to talk about those. In between, though, there's somebody that's not as great as the three, but he's not counted in David's 30 mighty men. And he's in charge of the bodyguard over David. So all the defense, all the military strategy, he's like one of the greatest leaders that David gave ownership to. David built him up. Here's what it says. In 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 22, the first part of this verse, 
It says, Benaiah, son of Jehodiah, a valiant fighter from Kabzeel, performed great exploits. We'll learn more about him in just a moment. But David built this man, Benaiah, up. God, God showed David who it was. And then rather than him get, you know, insecure, because what happens to good leaders, good leaders attract good leaders. And what happens when you attract good leaders? They want to lead. And so you have to learn to lead, to delegate, to empower them. Because all of a sudden, you have a lot of people seeing things, and, and you have to empower them. You don't want to discredit what they're saying. You want to, everyone has a voice. Now, the leader's job is to take those voices and say, we're going to do this to get to that mountain. David built Benaiah. Sometimes in building people, things are caught, they're not taught. Okay? A lot of times, I can get, think, think about it like this for just a moment. Right now, I'm sharing a message with you, sharing a sermon this morning, okay? That's what we're doing right now. That's the backbone of how our operations work at the Bridge Church. So I have about 25, 30 minutes. I share something with you. My prayers that changes your life. You walk out of here. Now, how many of you could share with me the points of my message from last week right now off the top of your head? Now think about this for a moment. How many of you could share the last time you and I just had a conversation outside of church? I bet you could do it like that. Why? For me, I could tell you exactly what we had for lunch because I'm just a foodie, okay? We remember what's caught more than we remember what's taught. If that's true, what do we do with leadership within the church? We have, and I just, I'm a shameless plug here just for a moment, coming up in April, um, and we did this a few years ago. Um, I took a team of 13 people from our church. This is open to anybody. Do we have that slide, Levi, in there? Um, we are going to the ARC conference. Now, I'm just plugging this just for a second. Um, don't discredit this. It's 750 bucks to go. It's Monday through Thursday. I know a lot of you are going to have to take off work if you want to go. We're going to take anybody that wants to go. We're going to go to all the sessions. This is a leadership training. If you go, man, what makes the bridge tick? What is Pastor Chris all about? What's the bridge all about? How can I become a better leader? This is leaders who lead leaders who lead leaders. This is incredible uh, pastors. Last year, Stephen Furtick was here, um, a great pastor down in North Carolina. Bill Hybels, a pastor from Chicago, has been here before. Rick Warren, pastor out in California, has been here. It's all these leaders, and we come together, and we go to these messages together. Here's what I want to say, though, about this whole point. Um, it's, it's, you can look on the website or the email that we send. All the details are in there. I don't want to get into that right now. But what happens, we go, and we went a few years ago as a team. Anybody can join us. And, and we went, and it was cool to see what happened. The best part of this time, this conference that we went to, honestly, it wasn't the speakers. You know what it was? It wasn't the things taught. It was the things caught. Just spending time together, hanging out at our hotel room having a meal together. That's where it happens. You want to build people? Life with them. Spend time with them. Anyway, shameless plug. If you want to learn more about that, talk to me later or talk to Pastor Derek. We'll give you all the info. People learn best not by what you tell them, but by what we do together. That's how it works. And then the other thing about building people. People, this is proven within research, outside of even Christianity, people grow best in an atmosphere of approval, of approval, of affirmation, okay? Now, I don't want to see your hand, but how many of you feel like, I'm not in a place of approval or affirmation in my job? Don't raise your hand, okay? You know, you might not feel it. God has placed you there for a reason. God has placed you here this morning for a reason because you are to be that affirming voice. You're to be that one of approval. You're the one to go around and be the first one that says hi to everybody or buy donuts for them or build people or talk to them and affirm their qualities and their character strengths. And you're the one that's called to pour into them. You might be the only Jesus they ever know at your workplace or at your school or at your neighborhood. 
you're called to be there for a reason. You're called to be there. And so, well, my, my work just sucks, man. It's awful. I can't stand it. I, I don't like it. Too bad, man. You're there. It's not victim mentality. It's building mentality. What do I do to change and transform in what God has placed me in? Love the job that you have, not the one you wish you had. God's put you there for a reason, okay? He's put you there for a reason. And then you probably heard this old adage, okay? If you know it, say it with me. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. How much you care. You know, next Wednesday night, after Thanksgiving, we go out and we do this Christmas tree lighting. And I get more flack from Christians than I do non-Christians on events like this. Because what I'm asked is, why aren't you just doing a gospel presentation at the, at the, um, at the park? Why aren't you just giving the people a chance to invite Christ? You know why? Because I believe it's about relationship. It's about walking and doing life together. It's not about a one-time thank you, that's it. No, it's a walk. It's not just a decision, it's a lifestyle. It's not just an instantaneous thing. God can do that, I'm not saying he can't. You know, we, had, uh, we, we do flyers once a year. We send out a, a mailer just so people know we're here and we're praying for people because we want to reach as many people for Jesus Christ as possible. That's what we're about. And uh, we sent a mailer two years into our our journey as a church, and it said Bridge Church, it said, you know, it says the bridge, and then it's got our tagline on it, and that's our mission statement. We're a what kind of church? We're a life-giving church. We're a life-giving church. It's, we wanted it easy to remember, and we've unpacked that a few weeks ago, what that really means, and I get a call from a, a Christian, and leaves me a voicemail, and I, no number, no name, and they just said, hey, looks really great, looks like you guys are doing like a big, you know, celebration with all of that. I don't see anything about Jesus here. You need to write about Jesus on the thing. Otherwise, I don't think this is it. Click. It's not building people. That's tearing down. Yeah, we're going to tell them about Jesus. Absolutely. Well, let's do it on his time, not mine. I think God's timing is much better than my timing. God's timing is much better than your timing. Can I hear a good amen this morning with that? His timing's way better. I've seen that. You know, a lot of times what happens is we see people and we see maybe they're struggling with the sin issue or they're trying to figure something out and, and you want it for them, man. You want it so bad. And what do they do? They don't do anything. <laughs> and what happens? We get frustrated. And you know why? It's because we're trying to play God. We're not. We're just long for the ride. We're to love them where they're at, love them on the way, and love them to a place that they've never been before. Let the Holy Spirit do it. He's way better at it than me or you. I can give you my word on that. I've seen it in my life. He's way better. Way better. All right, number two. Everybody say number two. So first, build people, build people, build people. Not your resume. Build people. Number two, be confident without being arrogant. Got to add that little subtitle there. Be confident without being arrogant. Okay? One of the biggest reasons we don't think we're good leaders. When we start doing a leadership series at the church, and I try to do at least one once a year, at least for a couple weeks, instantly some of you will tune me out because you're going... I'm not that good. I don't, I don't see myself like that at my job. You know, I, I don't really feel like, I'm just a, I'm just a kid. I'm only, I'm only 10 years old. Man, can I tell you what? I'm, a, I'm really proud of my son today. Can I tell you why? My son, who drummed awesomely this morning, in my opinion, on the drums, he hates when I talk about him. You know what? He turned 14 today, and he celebrates his birthday by playing drums at the church. Isn't that awesome? practiced his guts out all week, man. I'm deaf, but it was good, okay? It was good. 
One of the biggest reasons, though, that we don't think we're good leaders is we lack that confidence. And some of us rightfully so. Let's look at this. Let's look at the Bible story here. First Chronicles chapter 11, verse 22 through 24, talking about Benaiah. Benaiah! This might be a new story for some of you. It's one of those really small ones. There's only like five verses in the whole Bible about him. It says this, Benaiah struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day, killed a lion, well, bam. And he struck down an Egyptian who was five cubits tall. Cubit, by the way, tip your middle finger to your elbow. So cubits, we don't use them anymore because yours might be bigger, mine might be small. All right, does that. Although the Egyptian had a spear like a weaver's rod in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. I love it. He was clubbing. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaiah, son of Jodiah. He too was as famous as the three mighty warriors. I want to be like, this guy's got confidence, man. He's got confidence. He does these things. He kills Moab's two mightiest warriors. On a snowy day, he goes into a pit. Come on, guys. Seriously. You and I go into a pit on a snowy day to get some shelter? Ah, I'm out of here. Come on, how many of you are like, let's go, lion? Let's no, it ain't happening, man. If I even get close to the thing at like Como Park, I, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna let him have his space. You can ask my wife. I got sprayed by the tiger there once, okay? I got too close. I get scared with animals, all right? I love them. Have you ever lacked confidence, though? Ever in your life? Of course you have. I never have. It's been about five minutes. That was sarcasm. Don't use that. We're here to build people. Honestly, when I was in high school, I wanted to do theater. And some people say, really? You want to do theater? I love drama, man. I was in every play the high school had. I was in every play a company called Playhouse 15 had. I was a part of a, a company down in, in Anoka called Lyric Arts. I was part of all these. I was planning to go to St. Cloud State. But here's why. You want to know the real... I've never shared this with anybody. You know why? Because I didn't have confidence. Zippo. I had zero confidence. I wanted people's attention. Oh, I was the life of the party. I could be fun. I could be the fun guy. I could get attention. It was great. I was good at that. Okay? But I lack confidence. And you might say, well, actors, they have to have confidence. Most of them are insecure. You know why? Now, if you're an actor or an actress, I'm not saying you are. But I was. Because I can hide behind something. I can hide behind a character. I can be in front of you without actually being me. So I joined the speech club. Well, that was smart. <laughs> you have to do a speech, and you have to be you. And I said, no way. And I had a teacher. Her name's Mrs. Foley, and she was awesome. And I told Mrs. Foley, I said, I said, what? If I'm doing speech class, I'm not being me. I'm doing a script. I found a script called I Hate Hamlet. It's awesome, by the way. Joined the comedy speech, won a few first place awards, but I did it because I had zero confidence in who I was. I had confidence in the abilities I could do it, and so I was like this like English guy and American guy, and it was great. It was really fun, but I was dying on the inside because I had zippo confidence. So then go to ministry school. I have four years in my undergrad, three years in my, my master's degree, and so when I'm in my undergrad, I'm there at college, and we have to have speech class, and I'm going, oh, awesome. Can I, can I do one that I used to do? She's like, no, you have to be yourself. Nothing in the world scared me more than that. Seriously. I, I swore. I, I did. You're not supposed to swear to God, but I did. And I swore to him saying, I will never speak in front of people. <laughs> you, you be really careful what you say to God, okay? Like, seriously. It's just, I laugh every day. I'm like, really, God? Seriously, never thought I'd be here in a million years. And, and I did, we had to do a persuasive speech. And the only thing I knew how to persuade people in 
was that Back to the Future was an awesome movie, okay? So that was my ministry speech, persuasive speech in speech class. I get up and I deliver it. And I'm like, I'm shaking. My face is red. It's blushing. You can ask my wife. She used to see it. And, and I'm just like freaking out. And I get done. And she's like, what? You okay? And I said, I'm just, I'm scared to death to be up here. And I got a C minus in the class, you know? And I felt like, man, are you kidding me? I almost, you know, almost for me, it felt like flunking the class. Have you ever lacked confidence? I did. Another reason people lack confidence is because they're actually arrogant in, a t- in an attempt to exude it. Arrogance just shows we're insecure in confidence. We really don't know who we are. So we come off like we got it all figured out. Confidence is your abilities as a declaration of your faith in God. Okay? Confidence comes from accepting the things that we can't change and being okay with our imperfections. It's okay. I'm not perfect. I don't care. God does. But God says he'll be strong in my weaknesses. That's God. I can be confident in that. Confidence comes from this root of security. Okay? Some of us, honestly, I'm not here to blame mom and dad. I'm not here to psychobabble on us. But some of us, we miss that root of security. And any time that there's a fruit in our life, whether it's the fruit of you know, lack of confidence, whether it's the fruit of arrogance, whether it's the fruit of betrayal, any kind of fruit in our life, there's a root. Okay? Anytime there's a fruit that we display a characteristic of, of ourselves, there's a root. And so what we want to do is we want to go back and look at that root and go, I want to be more confident. Let me dig up the root. Because what happens if you dig up the root? It's gone. You just cut down the tree like halfway up. What's going to happen? It's going to grow back even stronger, isn't it? So you've got to get to the root of why you deal with that lack of confidence. That's what I had to do. I went and saw somebody. I talked to them. I wanted just another shameless quick plug. We have within our church probably the most underutilized ministry that we have in this church. Butch and Ann Brubaker, would you just wave wherever you're at? Butch and Ann Brubaker over here, they lead a prayer count. Wave one more time. I don't think everyone saw you guys. Um, Butch and Ann Brubaker, they lead a prayer ministry, uh, prayer counseling ministry at the church. Um, You can go online at sfbridge.org and you find forms. You can fill it out. It's completely confidential. I don't even know that you meet with them. They make sure that they're here and I'm not. Um, and I don't see any of it, but they go and they find the root and they look at how you see God and it's just incredible. If you ever go, man, I need confidence. I need somebody to just confide in. I need somebody to talk. Utilize their gift, man. It's incredible. Go to them. That's my shameless plug this morning. All right, everybody say number three. Number three. Be a mentor and have a mentor. Okay? Be a mentor and have a mentor. Before I get into that, let me say one last thing about um, being confident. So number one, we build people. Number two, be confident, not arrogant. Most people know who Vince Lombardi is, right? You know what he said? I love it. He said, confidence is contagious, but so is a lack of confidence. People want to hang out with those who are confident. They want to learn from them. They want to, they just go, man, I want to, I want to learn what it is that you have to offer me. Be okay being confident in who you are. Be a mentor, have a mentor. Um, when we started the church, again, my story, we, seriously, did we ever think we'd be here? And that's my wife on the front row. My wife, Heather, we have five kids, if you don't know. And, uh, but we never thought in a million years we'd plan a church in the town that we love the most, St. Francis. There, there's no town in the world that we love more, okay? It, never thought about that. And we planted... And when you plant the church, man, you are like, it's the honeymoon stage. How many know that's like the best stage of marriage, the honeymoon stage, right? Oh, come on, y'all. Being real with you. And uh, 
you know, during that stage, it was great. Everything was going well. We were growing. And, and they, they told us at boot camp that we had gone to at North Central, they said within the first two years of your church, they said, everybody that helped start the church with you won't be with you anymore. And I'm like, eh, not us. We're different. Not us, man. It's going to be great. Everybody, you know, I'm such an easygoing person. I love every person here. And, and I, that's, that'll never happen to us. It happened. And, and for different reasons, some people moved and, and some people, they love starting things, but they don't want to be a part of it long term. And that was okay. And so we had to bless them. But man, I, just to be honest, it ripped me up. It ripped me up. I was like, man, I thought that person was my friend and I just, I invested into them. And they invested in me. We had this relational connection. I thought it was awesome. And, you know, either they moved or they went somewhere else. And, and I found myself going to one of these actually art conferences and getting there. And I felt like I looked like the most pathetic pastor, like all these other guys and they're in like their super skinny jean things and they look all hipsterish and they're wearing their man bun crap and I'm just there, you know, just myself and, and, and I'm, uh, I don't know what the difference is between a trash bag and a twisty tie and a man bun. I just don't. And so I, it's just where I'm at. And uh, I, if you, if you can wear it and sport it, you go for it and I'll support it. But I, uh, I'm just going to be myself and be confident in that. And uh <laughs> At this conference, I'm looking around, and, I, and everybody's, it's kind of like Facebook. You know, Facebook is 99% of the time, it's everything that's great in our life. We don't ever like, you know, some people do, today sucked, or today was awful, or this or that. And, and I was just feeling like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. Some people that I was really close to left, and I'm struggling. And this pastor gets up, his name's Matt Keller, he, and he, uh, he's become a friend, and he's, and he's helped along the way. And he got up in front of, of all these pastors and all these leaders at this conference, and he said, two things that I'll never forget. He said, one, be a mentor, and then have a mentor. And he said, here's what you do. He said, and he was talking specifically to pastors at the time. He said, I want you pastors to look around here at the church conference, and I want you to find two people that are further along than where you are in your life. Let this speak to you outside of my context, okay? Find those people. Where are they? You know, if you're retired, well, who's the person that's been retired longer than you? Are you a student? Who's the person that's been a student longer than you? Getting ready to go to college? Who's already done it? Get to know them. Are you in your workplace going, how can I get to the next level? Are you bored at your job? Talk to the person that's been there. You know, are you within the school district? Talk to the person that maybe is further along than you. Talk to somebody else in another school district. Learn from them. And so, you know, he says this. And so I'm like, I can do that. I can do that. I'll, I'll find two. And, and I went up to him at the end of his, his message, his workshop, and I found one who has become a friend for the last four years. Some of you remember um, Darren, when he came, Darian Rains, when he came and he spoke here a couple years ago, he was one of those guys and one other. And they just poured into me. They just, they, they built me. They invested in me. But then the second thing that Matt Keller said, I'll never forget, and I love this, is he said now, and this was hard for me at the time. He says, I want you to look around here and I want you to find the two most pathetic looking pastors and go mentor them because they need you. And so there's always this receiving from a mentor, and then there's always a being a mentor. Mentorship goes both ways every time, all the time. If you're missing one, it's not true mentorship. Be mentoring and be receiving mentorship within your life, within whatever you have that you're going through. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, it says this. It says, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. We need each other. It helps cultivate a culture of empowerment, just as we looked at. It helps make their success, if you're mentoring somebody or they're mentoring you, your success, it becomes, their success becomes your success. The greatest resource a mentee has is what? It's you, a mentor. A mentor. 
They long for that. Be the mentor you wish you had. Don't, don't help them do the job just like you do it. Help them do it better. Learn, teach them your mistakes. Walk through it. Supporting another one's success, it'll never dampen yours. Okay? A mentor is someone who sees more talent and more ability within you than you see in yourself and helps bring it out of you. That's a true mentor. I want to do something here before I bring it into the close. I'd like to invite our usher team, if you guys won't mind, um, to come forward here in just a moment. If our ushers could come, that would be awesome. Um, I want to do this. I want to receive our offering this morning as, as we close. Now, if you're a guest and you're visiting with us, all I want to say is this. You, please just be blessed today. Don't feel any obligation to give. We don't even want people part of the Bridge Church to feel any obligation ever to give. Um, all we ask is that, you know, we do believe in the tithe. We do believe in 10%. And, and we do believe in giving above and beyond that in offerings, okay? And we have a parking lot fund, man. And we are like well over 30-some thousand dollars. I don't have the exact amount. But man, we're getting there. We got to do a parking lot next year. And you guys have been just incredibly faithful. So thank you. And so I have this last point, And I want, to, I want to receive our offering so we can close with this point rather than the other way around this morning. And so um, if you are a guest, all we'd ask you to do is just fill out that Connect card um, on that. We just want to pray for you. We want to send you a gift. And uh, we do have an email list that goes out that we would send you to. If you don't want to be part of that, you can write that on there. Otherwise, that's all we'll do. And uh, we just want to, want to pray for you. And so this morning, would you pray for me? We're going to receive our offering. And then I have one more thing I want to share as we bring this to a close. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing at the church. And I pray that you'd receive this offering and that you would multiply it for your kingdom this morning. I pray no one here feels obligated to give, but that you would take these resources and that you would multiply it for us to continue to do what you've called us to do here. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, last verse I want to share in First Chronicles is that's being passed. Once that goes past, stay with me, okay? Try to do your best to stay with me right now. First Chronicles chapter 11, verse 25, the last part of Benaiah's story here. He was held in greater honor than any of the 30, but he was not included among the three, and David put him in charge of his bodyguard. Here's what you might not know about this story. That's really cool, okay? Benaiah did these three things. The first thing he did that it's talked about here in First Chronicles chapter 11 is he killed what? Two Moabite men. These were warriors. Moab comes from where Lot and Lot's daughter, Lot's daughter slept with Lot, okay? It was incest. And so Moab was out of this. Moab actually represents biblically, okay, flesh, lust. It, it represents that fleshly side. And so there's a lot of symbolism within this story that's saying we have to conquer that flesh, okay? Now we're building people, okay? We're being confident leaders. That's what God has called us to do. We're mentoring, we're mentoring. So now let just for a moment this scripture speak to you on a whole different level. The second thing he talked about is he did what? What did he do? He went into the, into the pit and he killed the what? The lion on a snowy day. Killed the lion. Think about it. It's snowing out. It's going to be slippery. It's going to be crazy. He goes into this. If you go to 1 Peter, it actually says the devil prowls around like a lion wanting to devour. And so not only... Does it show him killing his flesh? It shows him um, killing the enemy, dealing with the enemy, conquering the enemy. And then the third one is this Egyptian with this, uh, you know, weaver's rod, five cubits, or he's five cubits high, and he's got this spear. And he turns the spear against the Egyptian and kills him. Egypt, in the context of this story, not in our context today, but in the context back here about 3,000, about 3,500 years ago, during this time... What happened is Egypt was what? Remember? What was Egypt? It was a world power. It was known for worldness. It was known like all the things in the world. 
how many realize this? Us as leaders today, we have to be confident in who God calls us, not what, not what culture says we are. Be confident in who God calls us, not what culture calls us. And so he conquers right here the world. And so it shows him symbolically going, man, I dealt, I dealt with my flesh. I can deal with it. Maybe it's a habitual sin that you struggle with. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's drinking. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's, and I'm not, drinking's not bad, but getting drunk is, the Bible says. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's the enemy. Maybe you just, you've got voices that are speaking to you, and they're not God's voices, and you know. Or maybe on the other side of that equation, it's the world, man. You're so into the worldly stuff, so into the material things, you know. You go to the shoe store more than I do. I don't know. What, whatever it is, those three things. And so here's my prayer for you this morning. My prayer is that if it's any of those, kill it. Be confident. Not only lead others, but learn to lead yourself. And we're going to unpack that even more next week, learning to lead ourselves. So would you do this? This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.